1: Hi, I'm Craig Doyle and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week our focus was on Italy and our latest Six Nations special with former Italian captain Fabio Ongaro joining us. He took our uh, spicy pizza challenge and looked back at Italy's game against Scotland over the weekend as well as the rest of the Six Nations features. Ugo and Austin Healy also joined us for a review of round 14 of the Aviva Premiership. Here are the best bits. Enjoy. It's seriously impressive. You might have been around a while, I know that, but you're looking good for us. 2000, yeah. your first cap. But I think of you in, what was the year you beat Scotland? 2004. Yeah. And you scored the try. Try. What was your memory of
2: that? Was, uh, was it properly try? Well, the ref at that time. Uh, because the, the, everyone's laughing about the, because I scored with the head. the, the, the try. If you can see that. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Scored with your head. Yeah, because I, I didn't touch, I didn't push the ball on the floor with the hands. I touched with the head, but it was the first time of, uh, <laughs> there was uh, the team, TMO, but uh, the ref didn't ask the TMO because if we, if we asked at that time, it wasn't right, but we won the game.
1: What was it like at that stage? When I think back in 2000, Italy had just joined the Six Nations. Yep. What was the atmosphere, the rugby atmosphere like in the country back
2: then? Yeah, it was the beginning. The stadium were probably full of people. was was like the news about the Six Nations. No, no one was ready about this tournament. The, the, the rugby population was not big enough for, for in Italy. And uh, we started, but we beat Italy, we beat the Scotland the first time, and uh, it's been like an explosion about uh, rugby, and uh, we grew up with that. that
1: how, yeah, How does it compare to, to the atmosphere around the game now?
2: Uh, I tell you we start to play on the Flaminio stadium was uh, like uh, 20 20,000 people for average and now we play at the Olympic stadium there are, there are 72,000 75,000 people that means has uh, been an enormous uh, uh, improvement. I, I think it's one of the best away trips during
1: the Six Nations. Anyone been over there for a game? You enjoyed it, yeah? I'd say you've enjoyed anywhere. Look at this stadium. Yeah. Um, it is a fantastic place to come watch.
3: Oh, i outstanding. Well, England played there just a couple of weeks ago on Valentine's Day, so you had a yeah. lot of drunk Englishmen who've taken their girlfriends on Valentine's weekend but gone <laughs> to the rugby. So, uh, but you're absolutely right. The, the atmosphere in the stadiums, it's amazing to see how the Italian rugby, their style of rugby is really growing. It's, uh, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fabio, five so, trophies, uh, five cups with, with uh, Treviso. Are you yeah. a bit of a hero when you go home now? you spotted in the street. Has rugby no, got to that stage? No,
2: it's not that level, but it's a small city, but small, a small village, but everyone knows... Uh, how did you end up coming to Saracens? So I've been approached by Eddie Jones who was, was like a not head coach. He was like a, a working head advisor, and he signed myself there in 2006. And what was, what was Eddie like to work with back then? He's intense, yeah. <laughs> 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 in a, what way? He's intense, he, he pretended maximum from the, everyone, staff, players. If you are on board with him, you have to give one hundred and twenty percent of uh, yourself. Um, the Six Nations so far for Italy.
1: We're going to talk about it in depth later, but a quick overview. How do you think it's gone for Italy, performance-wise?
2: You know, uh, the problem is uh, we don't have a, a lot of players so that have the same level. We got forty players, but we miss. Uh, we had a few, few injury. We started well with France. Uh, we lost two, three players, and we are we are not going very well now. Because we missed, uh, you know, when the, when you win the game, you take a confidence, and uh, we missed the first one against France where we could win, and uh, and now the the street, man, is going it's
4: a bit more difficult. Do you think you've got better players now than the players you had back then? You know, you had Diego Dominguez, Troncon. Who was the number six with the really massive head, Massimo head? He was. Well, oh, Giovanni. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: massive. He's massive. It was massive. He couldn't catch the ball, but it was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if,
4: yeah, if, yeah, I mean,
2: but it was. Uh, he was a legend. But what do you think? Do you think there's some
4: really talented players? You no,
2: know, well, we, I think the players here are more talented, more skillful than before. Before, but they were fighting. More fighter, crazy. Yeah, more crazy. Apart Tronchi, Troncon and, uh, and Diego, they were a skillful player. We had a uh, we had the nice uh, nice number nine and ten. We missed that uh, that two players now.
1: I'm not being downbeat on this Six Nations, but we've come just after a World Cup. A lot of teams are going through transition, England a new coach. The standard isn't quite there, is it? I'm not sure it's a
4: standard or whether it's just sides are a little bit risk-adverse. You look at the last game of the Six Nations, the last weekend, last season, and it was absolutely sensational. Everybody talks about it, how entertaining it was. and It's very rare you get the opportunity or you want to watch three games back-to-back but last year, everybody wanted to watch all those games on a Saturday. And I think there's just a mindset with a lot of the size that they're going into it relatively slowly and they're starting to build, but I don't understand that mentality. And I think it's indicative, actually, of the Northern Hemisphere game, that our game is governed by start-stop. We go to the next set-piece, we go to the next play, right? It's got a certain lack of fluidity compared to the Southern Hemisphere. Is that how you see it, Fabio? Would you agree with yeah, us? Agree. You don't have
1: to. You would, yeah? I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, because it hasn't been as quite as clinical, I suppose, so far. And we're round three. You expect teams to be have war- warmed up a little bit at this stage?
3: Yeah, well, you see it from Ireland. I thought their approach play between 22 was outstanding. They weren't very clinical once they got in the 22. They didn't have a huge amount of ball. They kicked to the corner a lot and only got one try out of it. I agree with Austin. I think it is a mental state. Um, um, Super Sunday, Super Saturday, sorry, last season of the uh, Six Nations, nine tries from England came out of nowhere. I do like the fact that I'm seeing the intent. The execution's not quite there, but there has been a lot of changes. A new coach for England, uh, changes happening in Italy, new coach for France, so I guess that does take a little while to all bed in and jail. Uh,
1: Fabio, France have been absolutely awful, which I, I'm sure you're really enjoying watching at the moment, are you? They have not been good, have they?
3: No, they have to find the, the,
2: the right way now. I think the Guinovese you know, has tried to change everything, change a lot of players, it's tried to put in this game playing you know, on board, but they need a uh, need, need, uh, I think a few games again for. Do, do you see any signs
1: of things improving, of maybe France going back to that old French jouer jouer type of rugby?
2: You know, you cannot play like jouer uh, jouer like uh, ten years ago now. The defense are
3: more, more stronger than. That's the difference sometimes in international rugby. It isn't all about physicality and skill set. If you don't have that will and want to be desperate for your team. Then you might as well not bother turning it's, up.
4: It's, it's different training, though. They're all built differently now. These French guys are built to play big, attritional rugby where they crash into each other, crash into each other, and eventually wear each other down. They're not built for a highly aerobic match,
1: and that's what Wales turned it into in the second half. Would you think uh, Tranduc will start at 10 for France next time around? He seems to hit. stabilise things. I think he? they have to change now.
2: They have, but he has to change something,
1: some players. Um, There'd be no change, I would imagine, in the England or Ireland 10 shirts because both of them had good enough games. Johnny Sexton, uh, in fairness, after the hard week he had in the papers, after Eddie Jones' comments, uh, he fought back with his actions on the pitch. He was sensational. Not the result Ireland uh, would have wanted, but actually considering 17 injuries, a brave effort.
4: Yeah, I think you've got a lot of mitigation out of the way there for the Irish I guys, have, and, and uh, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> yes. on that. Um, but, uh, look, I, I thought Ireland were particularly good around the midfield area. They played with a lot more ambition. They sort of released that... Um, Uh, Joe Schmidt shackle, if you like, of the non-offloading game. They played with a lot of width, sometimes a bit too risky, and they put a lot of pressure under England's defence. I disagree with you a little bit about England's 10 and we've seen a certain Manu Tuolangi being included in the England squad this week. There's not enough space for Manu Tuolangi and another 12, but there's enough space for Manu Tuolangi and Owen Farrell to move to 10. So there's, I don't think England's backline is the finished article at the minute, and that is a good thing because they've now got options. And Eddie Jones will undoubtedly make changes, maybe not in this game, but as we go.
1: There was a lot of guys put out some really big performances, Chris Robshaw in particular, a huge tackle count, but Jack now was so, so busy. He's really looking the real deal now, isn't he? Yeah,
3: I mean, you speak about wingers, you talk about their attacking flair, we know about how many touches he gets on the ball, how powerful, what a try-scorer he is.
1: How did this English team, England team, look to you, Fabio? Do they look like a, a team that are progressing rapidly, getting better and better?
2: they yeah, they're doing better and better, sure, 100%. I agree with... Uh with Austin about the option they got on the back line now. Say okay, about Ilasi, we do not find the space on in this, uh, in this back line, but is uh, I think is the best thing for England. I have I all these options, all these great players and. Uh, I would like to be a quarter, and have these choice.
4: Well, you would be, but unless you're Richard Cockle because I don't think he actually wants him to play just yet. He's only just back. Can he last? He, undoubtedly, he could go and play for England at the weekend, uh, two weekends' time, but it's not just about that. When you turn up for England, and Hugo will tell you this as well, and, and same for Italy, I presume, the training is so much harder in the week, and there's not like you can miss Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, rock up to the team run and play Saturday. doesn't happen. You have to start training early on in the week, and maybe Tuolangi's body isn't ready for that just yet
1: you, He put in one of his trademark hits in the Quinns game that was absolutely outstanding. We'll show you that a little bit later on. But let's focus on Italy for a moment. Much relief for Scotland getting that win. They didn't want to go ten losses on the bounce. But we saw moments from Italy over the course of the weekend. You know something, they have something here. They have young guys coming through and they played some lovely rugby at times, Fabio. Yeah,
2: they scored a great try. They're playing well, they're playing well. Not a lot of times, sometimes. (laughs)
1: We're going to look at Italy now, let's try and just describe to everyone at home where the rugby is played there, who's playing it, how many are playing it, so we have a, a map of Italy here that shows where all the clubs are, it's kind of unusual, it's all happening up north, is that because it's just a bit cooler up there, it, get, it gets
2: too hot down south for rugby? What's no, it's not it? about the weather, it's uh, about the culture, the, the rugby, you know, everyone knows it's born here and in England, it's come through France and eh? they arrived in Italy to uh, the region, is Piemonte. Well, the strange thing is uh, now all the, most of the rugby is in the east side, is in the Veneto, you know, and then Emilia-Romagna is the Middle East side because on the, on, the, on the west side, we don't have any. Is that because when you look there, you got
1: Turin, right? It's the home of Juventus, Milan, you got AC Milan, Inter Milan. <laughs> There's huge competition from football at that side of the country. Is that part <laughs> of the problem? Because when you look at the plain rugby playing population of Italy, it's 0.1%. Whereas yeah, in Ireland, maybe say, it'd be three point three percent. I think in England,
2: it's four point nine percent. It's a problem of our culture. We it's, we are popular so, soccer teams, soccer population. We follow all uh, the soccer sports, and uh, but we are going up. We are improving with the, our movement, and uh, I think in the, in the next few years we will uh, we will improve everything. So, most of what's happening up north
1: and in the Po Valley, and yeah. Zebra are based in the middle of all that. Yeah, and the the, but also there are other well-known clubs around there. Describe to me the, um, the, the, the rugby culture down there and why in that particular area.
2: Yeah, that is, uh, you say, that is the middle area. It's just through the Lombardia and Emilia Romagna. That are the four, the four key clubs in that area, Yadana. Zebra, where is uh, all the area around Parma, all the clubs, they made a the foundation with uh, Zebra is a half federation now uh, uh, helps for all the clubs in Emilia-Romagna and uh, Calvisano is the Italian, actually Italian champions and um, and Viadana. Yeah, one of the yeah, most four, famous yeah. clubs actually, yeah.
1: Calvisano. So what are what are the population numbers around there? What's the draw? How many players can you actually get your hands on in that area?
2: There's not a lot of players. A lot, if you compare the numbers of people are in that village, I think the 80% of the rugby player is, uh, is unbelievable. But uh, now we are trying to move uh, that, uh, that, um, that area, that the culture of that area close to Milan because of most of the population are in Milan. We've got two million people there. And if we can create something to Milan, I think we we can have a best result. So, if you were a new director of
1: rugby initially, perhaps with a lot of experience in the Premiership, maybe in the RFU, maybe you are from Ireland. I'm just throwing some <laughs> thoughts around here. Um, that's that's what your your plan would be: would it, to, to find the big population areas and drag those players in.
2: That is so would be the the best result. It's tough to it's easy to say, uh, tough to to make this. Uh, this decision. I think we have to work now, actually, we have to work in where we are sure we, we can build something or we can make something better than now. And uh, I think, I think we, have, we have to work much more high intensity in this area, in those area. And, uh, and after, That's the, a- the, the next step will be move over there, over there but it's not, it's not now the present to say, to, to make this.
1: The other side, to your old patch of course, Treviso. Talk to me about that area, because we saw on the VT there,
2: so passionate about rugby, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's the village. It's the village where the, the rugby born, and uh, everyone, you can, you can smell the rugby there. You can smell yeah, the rugby, yeah. I love that. I love that.
1: And like for you know, a, 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 a second tier club game, how many would you get out to watch these games?
2: Oh, we got around 7,000, 8,000 people. Used to go, the the stadium is maximum the the, the capacity is 8,000 and um, is always full like a like the Celtic League is helping that because it's all the, the great teams come over like a master uh, all teams of Celtic League they come over and uh, the people are curious and uh, supporting Treviso this year you know is not the best the best uh, season for Treviso but now they started to to win the first two games. They changed a few things uh, and uh they are improving. Uh, I'm sure they will do, do well. Now, well,
1: you know Treviso and Zebra are up at the top tier. You know, as I said, there are those other divisions down yeah. there. So let's give everyone an idea of the setup in Italy. This is how it all works. So it's run by the Federazione, has my pronunciation Italiana Rugby. Great. Okay, so they're in charge of the whole lot basically. And you've got the national team, and yeah. you've got the youth academies. They take care of that. Then the clubs, just two professional clubs since they joined the Pro12: yeah. Benetton uh, Rugby of course, and uh, Treviso and Zebra. And then you're into the national championship. So you got Syria. And and it's a huge country, really. I mean, it's over 700 miles top to yeah. tail. So Syria is broken up for <laughs> geographical reasons. There is That few, way,
2: yeah, that's why they try to because our, they started with the two groups of teams, and they divided the north and south and just for economic problem and the travel problem. And now they are in the second phase, where it's one group of six, uh, the better two teams of four groups they were, and uh, they are playing the phase the phase final phase and one group of six teams and the first four, they will do the, the final.
1: So, the new head of rugby in Italy, and look, all the talk out there is that it's going to be Harlequin's Conor O'Shea. We know he's leaving and he's hotly tipped to be the new man of the job. That's what he's going to have to, to work with. Is he going to have to change from the top down, the, the club structure? Is everything going to change? What is the
2: job in hand? I don't know if uh, he will have the white card and change everything, but... Uh, if uh, if uh, I'm the president of the federation and I take a, a guy like him, I will give the key of the federation and say, okay, you are the you are the driver, drive this federation. That is my idea because. Would he, he
1: be the right kind of guy? Do you think, Conor?
2: I I know him not just technical. I never talk about uh, rugby with him. I know like a person, like a pe- person. He's a great person. But uh, he's, he did well with the Harlekins. I think he's a, he's a clever guy, he's a good coach and uh, he can do very well there. And
1: he's very good with kind of adapting structures as well, isn't yeah. he? And, and he's a good man-to-man
2: person, which is yeah. needed as well, isn't yeah, it? as well, yeah. He's a base of, uh, to be a coach. Good stuff.
1: Boys, a uh, bit hot in the Premiership, eh? Wasn't it? Over the course of the weekend. And the league is so incredibly tight, Ugo. You couldn't imagine it, really, when you look from third all the way down to eighth. It's unbelievable.
3: Uh, quality within the Premiership is unbelievable. Well, actually, some of it is terrible defence, but great attack and intent. A boatload of tries this weekend. But we're in a situation now where you win a game and you're in the top four, you lose a game, and you could finish eighth. I haven't known a Premiership as tight as that.
1: Now, because the World Cup, the Premiership started a bit later. And I'm saying this because the players have had to play in bad weather conditions for the bulk of the season so far I'm saying this in defense of a lot of out halves out there in particular Danny Cipriani his kicking stats not great the rest of the game fantastic but four misconversions on the weekend just one of those would have got the win
4: yeah he's not having the best of time is he I'm sure he's working particularly hard off the tee Um, but like you said ball in hand he was fantastic again but four from eight is not a great start I think he was 32.6 percent going into this game so if you add those kicks to it, he hasn't increased his average that, that much. But uh, it'll be annoying Steve Diamond immensely. And I'm sure they're looking throughout the squad
1: for someone else who can kick because what Danny gives you with ball in hand, not many others can. 56% kicking stats. It's not great kicking success. You know, in Italian rugby, you
2: struggled on that front as well. To find a reliable kicker is hard, isn't it? Yeah, especially when, when the Dominguez left, we didn't find another kicker like him. You know, sometimes if you got a good set piece and a good kicker, uh, can change the, the way of the game. Three points, three points, three points. Put the pressure in front, you can win the game. Not all the game, but the legend that is Diego Dominguez. You still miss
1: him, but you might meet him a little <laughs> bit later on because he is going to join us for a little Skype call later in the programme. Um, and how about Saints? Where do you feel they are at the moment? They seem to be begin to enjoy themselves a bit more, you think?
4: Yeah, they're starting to find their feet, aren't they? They had a really difficult start to this period of 10 games back-to-back. But they've had some good fixtures. You know, Worcester at home, you'd expect them to win. Uh, They've had a good win against uh, um, Harlequins, which they probably didn't expect. Maybe that was the defining moment of their season. You get a win like that where, really, you've lost the match and something happens from nothing. Uh, It can turn your season around. And they're playing with, with decent width and they're getting a lot more direct now from their forwards around the fringes. So uh, they're definitely going to be a threat. They're going to be there or thereabouts. But this next five-week period will define the season. It will relegate someone, and it will also form the top four. And uh, it's still very tight up there, but you do fear for London Irish. London Irish now, they've got two difficult games to come. If they lose those two and Newcastle go on to win... Thanks to Andy Goode in a large part. Um, you know, maybe with all the injuries at Harlequins, when his contract ends at Newcastle, we might find him down at Quins. Uh, they've lost Swill, they've lost Nick Evans. <laughs> Stranger things have happened, but uh, you know, he's made a massive impact in Newcastle, and he's just created that gap away from Irish. Two more losses for Irish; they
1: could be relegated by April. Irish have signed a new ten, of course. Uga. I think you mentioned it earlier with the immediate effect, because that is a problem area for them and young halfbacks in a relegation battle. Also, with a director of rugby who's not used to relegation. Tom Coventry from the Southern Hemisphere, where they don't have relegation. Not having that experience, I think, is beginning to show a little bit.
3: We had Ben Franks in the studio last week and he didn't know relegation existed until he turned up and there was a few games lost. It's like, what, we could actually not be in this league by by the end of May. So it is a brand new um, thing for these guys, especially, I think, in terms of harnessing and nurturing these youngsters these guys who are now wanting to play their natural, their natural way aren't able to do that anymore because it's just the case of just doing whatever it takes to be able to win matches, and that's something they're really struggling at the moment.
1: Can you believe that Andy Goode is still playing top-flight rugby and
2: playing so well? <laughs> yeah, and playing well, exactly. I watched the last, last weekend game and uh, it's been fun. He's a great player and it's strange to see a player with a belly and play, <laughs> and
3: play like him, <laughs> he.
2: but he's... Uh, He's an icon, he's doing well, great, great. Yeah, you know, it's great to have around as well. He, he accepts
1: the, uh, the mickey taking, he's OK with that. Let's talk about Leicester Tigers um, and Freddie Burns in particular. How do you think they're
4: going? Well, he's had a difficult season, Freddie, hasn't he? Because he's had so many facial injuries, is it, what is it, palsy he had in his face and a broken jaw. But now he's, uh, he's st- starting to find his way. He's great when a game breaks up like it did at the weekend for Leicester against Irish. And he's also good when you've got this Manu Tuolangi playing outside you, who you can fizz passes to. He's, um, he's, he's going well for Leicester. I think Richard Cockle would want his defence to improve uh, somewhat, especially with the way that Owen Williams defends. Things are going well for Leicester. They'll want to be a little bit better as they build towards the end of the season.
1: They'll get a few players back, uh, but overall definite title contenders. So Manu Tulagi has been drafted into the England, uh, well, into the, I don't know if he's part of the squad or he's just kind of hanging around the camp or what what the plan is for him. Well, that
3: physicality which he brings is something which he can clearly add, especially when you look at the likes of Wales and Jonathan Davies and Jamie Roberts there in the centres.
1: um, You get a sense that Manu is a guy that just terrifies the opposition and when it comes to international rugby, England kind of want that guy.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's another, 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 big bull carrier. He got one, one massive bull carrier on the front, the, number eight, and uh, and uh, another one on the back line. I think uh, make a difference.
1: Let's talk about wasps. And we're going to start by looking at their season averages so far. They are absolutely outrageous. Everything seems to be going right for them, last. Well, at the top of virtually all
4: the stats, I think they covered something like 350 metres within 35 minutes at the weekend. And when you see that sort of stat, particularly when you see the stats, the number of missed tackles that Harlequin's made, uh, it only ends up with one result. But some of the lines and the way that they're playing, and they, they've got. Great attack all over the field. They can take you tight round the fringes with Nathan Hughes and Cooper Woolley. Then they go into the midfield with the Piatau brothers, who are absolutely brilliant. And that's before you've even started talking about some of the guys out wide. Halai, actually, is just an absolute beast, a tank for them on the wide. And he gives them always an offload. So you can lay some blame with Harlequins and their intensity in the defence. But overall, Wasps are sensational to watch. And I said in commentary that... If you live in the coventry area it 's a big old stadium and it 's getting busier and busier I, can't, I can think of many worse things to do than go there on a Sunday afternoon with your family and watch that because it is really entertaining rugby. They
1: cannot cram any more fans into sandy park uh, they 're playing lovely rugby at times. Uh, did you enjoy them on the
3: weekend very uh, exceptional once again, travel for bath, just not able to kind of construct any kind of fluidity, get patterns of play, and once again find that elusive win. But Exeter, every opportunity they pretty much got in that second half they took. Stington at 10, outstanding in terms of game control. Waldron, fantastic. Witten, a ball carrier. Um, James, or sorry, James Short out wide, outstanding. Um, they're just a very, very confident team at the minute.
1: Yeah, and a man of the match award for Garrett Steenson. He has been incredible for them. Is he your Aviva Premiership Player of the Month? The voting is now over. Oh, I should say, not just quite over for the Aviva Premiership Player of the Month for February. We want you to be the 10th judge. To get involved, just go to btsport.com Player of the Month. It's that easy. Voting runs out until midnight on Wednesday. The winner will be announced on Rugby Tonight next week. Right, well, we should introduce one of the great names, the legend of Italian rugby, Diego Dominguez. Uh, He played in three World Cups, one of only five players to have done that. I'm (laughs) delighted to say he joins us live from I have no idea where, Diego.
5: Where are you in the world? I am in Toulon now. You're
1: in Toulon. You're in Toulon, of course, uh, waiting to take over the job fully next season. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But uh, we have Fabio here. We're just reflecting really on Italian rugby, where it's going, where it's been. What's your, your view on it at the moment?
5: Well, we are, we are, not, we are not in a good, uh, a good moment. It's, 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 it's a lot of years that we are, we, are, we are saying that uh, that the road is not uh, is not the correct me in, in case of me I'm, I'm saying a lot and a lot of old old players I think uh, our we are not forming good youngs when the youngs arrive to the high level are not uh, are not well formed they are big guys but uh, but uh, technically in comprehension of the game is not uh, is not what what the high level needs so so in all this year in the last year. I think uh, our the, the when we, we utilize, um, the utilisation of the of the resources financial for the game were not well done. So now uh, we are paying the consequence of uh, of uh, of doing a bad work. But it's difficult, Diego.
1: We spoke about this with Fabio. You know, rugby is not the first sport of, of young people over there. You've got to change the culture really to get these young guys ready to go for international or top tier rugby. That that's quite a long job. That doesn't happen overnight, does it?
5: No, it's, it's ten years. We came in this is nation. It's, we came in in 2000. Uh, it's 16 years. So in 16 years, I I, I think uh, we could be much more better than than uh, how we are. Uh, we had money to do it. Uh, since the beginning, we should uh, start uh, preparing good coaches to prepare good youngs. Okay, this is like uh, good schools when you have good teachers at the end of the of the school. Uh, good, uh, good, uh, good people to continue with the with the with the form well. So, so we didn't. Uh, we we need more. Coaches of high quality to form our youngs for the future. We are late. We are very, very late. We are very late. And and in all this year, we, we say it that we say it one, two, three, ten times. But unfortunately, the people that are managing the competition in 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 in, uh, in Italy are not uh, are not in the in the conditions. Are not. Uh, in the conditions to, to, to manage that, because they don't understand it, you know. The, the rugby changed very quickly, very quickly. Uh, and there are a lot of, 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 of old players that had the chance to be amateurs, semi-professional and professional, so they can speak this language and they know how uh, the, the, the high competition needs in this moment to be competitive, OK?
1: Diego, before I let you go, just your thoughts on, on the possibility of Conor O'Shea. It's looking quite likely the Harlequins coach. Um, he's much respected, much loved over here. He may be on his way to Italy. Is he the right man? What can he change? What does he have to do?
5: But I, cannot, I cannot give you an opinion because we don't know if he coming. If he do not come in, uh, uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I think he will not come. Me, I think he will not come. You really so... think he won't come? Do you want to put money on this
1: right now? I'm, I could put <laughs> maybe ten, 10 grand. <laughs> you, you really don't think he'll
5: come? I, I think, I, I, what I read in the friends that I spoke about, I'm not sure, I, I don't understand why he didn't, if, if he's coming, why he didn't, he didn't do it officially. In, in three months, he have to take the job. So, I don't understand the situation uh, uh, about I think... Uh, I think... Uh, Oshir, I think he's not going to come at the end, I think. Maybe I make a mistake, but, but uh, if he's not, he has, he has to say it.
1: Uh, Diego, just take a little tip from me. If anyone wants to put a bet on him not coming, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't put any money down, OK? You might be in for a little <laughs> surprise, my friend. Look, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, best of luck next season when you fully take the reins at Toulon and all those stars there. I hope it goes well for you, OK? And uh, take care. All the best. All right, see you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Right, uh, good to have you. Good to see you, mate. Uh, let's just give you the heads up on the Premiership rugby that's coming your way over the course of the weekend. It's a huge relegation match Friday night. We're up at Kingston Park, seven o'clock. We're on air for that one. It is Newcastle against Worcester, seven forty-five kickoff. That is such a key game for both sides. That is unmissable. Then Saturday, Saracens against Northampton Saints, three o'clock. We're on air for that one. BT Sport one, and then on Sunday, as always, all the highlights from one o'clock here in BT of all the. Round. 15 games, and then we'll bring you Leicester against the Exeter Chiefs 2 o'clock kickoff there, so some great rugby coming your way as the Premiership rolls on and on Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast, we'll be back next week with another Six Nations special, where we'll be talking all things Wales, don't forget you can apply for free tickets for all our upcoming shows by emailing audience at rugbytonight.com Cheerio